This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Set for Cousins. Looking deep over the middle. And it is guess who? Justin Jefferson. The clutch play of the day. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM from BetQL. What's cracking, everybody? BetQL <laughs> Daily presented by BetMGM. James Co. Sean Levine here with you. Uh, hey, man, hey, man, let's break it down here. Vikings taking on the Packers. Vikings, despite a sterling record, Sean, a three-and-a-half-point dog to the Packers. Is that disrespect or no? No, that's honesty. Right, it's kind of like in a relationship, and your girls have to be disrespectful. No, sweet, I'm just being honest with you. Minnesota's just a very average football team with a really good record. They might be the luckiest team, James, just in the history of the NFL, but in the history of professional sports. I don't think they can keep it up. Wow! Yeah, they're an underdog on the road at Green Bay. I think they should be a bigger underdog, and here's why: when it gets this late in the season, sometimes you have to ask yourself yeah. as a team. What, what are we still playing for, right? Like, ultimately, a team like Minnesota, who's already wrapped up the division, they've had it now for a while, they're playing for seeding. And if you're not the one seed, ultimately, there's not too big of a difference, then they'll probably end up the two, right? At that point, mm-hmm. you might as well just go ahead. I'm not saying the rest of their players or anything like that, because technically they could still end up that number one seed, which is very important. But I don't think they're going to get it. Green Bay on the other side, Green Bay needs the win. And they need to keep winning. And they've essentially been in playoff mode the last couple of weeks already. So when you just talk about what you're playing for, the importance of the game, if Minnesota loses, eh, that's okay. We're probably going to be a two-seed anyway. If Green Bay loses, you might as well book your fishing trip, James. So laying three and a half isn't big <laughs> enough. Green Bay wins this game by, I'd say, closer to a touchdown. I'd feel comfortable laying five and a half, if not six. The over-under is a weird one to me because right now it's at 48. And when Green Bay's defense is good, they're great. The problem is they've right. just been a little bit inconsistent that this year. Minnesota's defense, on the other hand, is bad. I mean, the reason they win a lot of these games is because of the offensive side of the football with all those weapons. So, yep. I don't know, man. I think this game gets played in the 50s easily and goes way over that number. Uh, that's interesting to me. You know, I- I've got a kind of a different look on this game, man, because, one, first of all, the Vikings absolutely trounced Green Bay in week one, and I know that's that's like – eons ago you know what I mean long time ago but but when the Vikings play the Packers I don't care when it is in the season I don't care what's on the line there is something a little bit something different about these particular games and look even when I would say this even when Aaron Rodgers you flip the script when Aaron Rodgers was 13 and three and and looking for a number one seeding or whatever and this and the games were meaningless he loved to pour it on um, and I think the Vikings, with 
uh, Kirk Cousins and, and Justin Jefferson um, and company. I, look, I actually think they're going to be able to uh, keep this one not just close, but first of all, they're the king of one-score games, dude. They're the king of one-score games. And I, I figure this is going to be another one-score game here. I, I, I think the line – I like the line at three and a half. And to be honest with you, um, what is it, uh, plus 150 money line? I don't hate that either. Green Bay, I know, has played well recently, man. But you know what? When you look at their, their, their body of work overall, it's a team that I think is really inconsistent. I, I don't think they have – Sean, what is their identity? What is Green Bay's identity? Is it passing the ball? No. Is it running the ball? No. Is it defense? No. It's a team that, to me, does not have a personality other than a weird quarterback. So what's the, what is the defining characteristic of this 2022 version of the Green Bay Packers? I think for Minnesota, well, I tell you what, man, I think they're going to be able to throw it on Green Bay. And, I, and, I, and I'll say this, I think Dalvin Cook – can put some damage on them too. Yeah, to answer your question, the identity of these Packers is they're just kind of hanging on by a thread. It feels like if they can get into this year's <laughs> right. playoffs, and look, they win their next couple of games, starting with this game against Minnesota that we're talking about right now, James, and then they win their last week versus right. Minnesota. And by the way, that game's in Green Bay also. Then they're in, and I think that that's kind of their identity right now is they know what they are. They know that this thing's just about mm-hmm. over with. They know that they're going to probably go to a different quarterback and they're probably going to switch up some more of their offense next year. That This is not working. What they're doing right now is not working. They've become a shell of what they were. We're talking about a team that has won 13 years and been the number one seed back-to-back seasons. And right now they're fighting right. for their playoff life. So they're not the same team they were. Aaron Rodgers is not the same guy. All that being said, if they get in, them, Tampa Bay, all these teams that are kind of going to have the longest odds in the NFC are worth putting a few dollars uh-huh. on because look at the teams at the top. It's easy to talk yourself out of maybe everybody except for Philly. As long as Philly's healthy, it's pretty easy to convince yourself. You look at their point differential. Heck, you look at how good they've been against yeah. the spread. You look at their quarterback. They're pretty easy to talk yourself into. But besides that, James, go ahead. The mic is yours. Convince me that the Minnesota Vikings, convince me that the Dallas Cowboys, convince me that the San Francisco 49ers and Brock Purdy are going to make any noise. I'm listening. Oh, no, it's wide open. Although I will say that I think San Francisco is set up in a similar fashion to to Philadelphia. Look, Brock Purdy is Mr. Irrelevant, but I think he's been playing pretty good football. And the cast of characters that they got around him, both on both offense and on the defensive side of the football, it's so good. It's so good. San Francisco is so talented. They're right there with Philadelphia in terms of overall talent, top to bottom of the roster. Obviously a big difference at the quarterback position, but you do mention Jalen Hurts. You know, he's got to stay healthy, man. Like, what does his shoulder look like right now? We're not 100% sure. I want to dive back into some of these player props, though, for Green Bay, Minnesota. Um, And I tell you, I kind of sort of like them all, man. Um, You take a look at Kirk Cousins. 263 is the – 263 and a half is the the line on the player props uh, for his passing totals. I kind of like him going over that one as well. I'm with you on on just the overall um, points being scored in this ballgame. I, I think both teams should be able to put some points on the board because Minnesota's defense 
is so bad. And then on the other side, Green Bay's rush defense, one of the worst in the NFL. Uh, by the way, are they ever going to shore this up? I feel like we have this conversation every single year. Green Bay cannot stop the run. Uh, they're allowing 4.95 yards per carry to opposing running backs since week number six. That's the fifth worst mark in the NFL. So again, um, I go back and I look at Dalvin Cook's rushing line here, 71 and a half in your, <clears throat> and it's uh, just your standard, you know, minus 115. I like that number a lot, Sean. Because I like a lot of points, I like a lot of the overs on these individual props, James. I mean, you talked about the defense from Minnesota being suspect. The offense for Green Bay has been pretty good on this little winning streak they're on. They put up 26 against Miami. They put up 24 against the Rams. They put up 28 against Chicago. Even in a loss to Philly, they put up 33. And then in a win the week before that, they scored 31 against Dallas. So I'm not saying that their offense is what they were the last couple of years, but Green Bay can score the football a little bit, right? When Green Bay is running the football, when they get the balance of of being able to run the football a little bit, that opens up things for Aaron Rodgers because he's not the same guy that he's been the last couple of years. But I do like the overs on his props. I like Aaron Jones' props. And as you mentioned, Dalvin Cook, I just think there's going to be a lot of points and a lot of offense in this game. And we haven't even talked about Jefferson, the best wide receiver in the NFL. Playing his over prop, whatever it's at, has become one of the easiest things in the entire game. He broke Randy <laughs> Moss' Viking single season but, uh, uh, yards record just last week. So, yeah, I like the overs. On, I'm not the guy that's going to put the unders on any of these props. I like the overs on almost all of them. The one, the one line that I'm kind of staying away from is probably Aaron Rodgers at 240 and a half. Um, and, dude, this is a guy that, again, the great Aaron Rodgers – has not gone over 255 passing yards all season long. Wow. Um, wow. I gotta look this up in there. In, I know it's crazy, but uh, in his last matchup against Minnesota, and again, this is eons ago, dinosaurs roaming the earth week one. Um, but uh, what is it? 195 passing yards for Aaron Rodgers there, week number one. And again, so many things have changed. Um, the line itself is so interesting because 240 is just right where I've got him. Uh, he's got, I think he's going to be around that 240, 250 mark uh, for me. So I don't know. That's the one line where I'm kind of like, eh, I'll probably stay away. But other than that, man, like, go ahead, give me Justin Jefferson over 95 and a half. That feels like Easy. an absolute lock. Even Adam Thielen, 43 and a half. I'll take that one too, you know. But um, I, I just like, I, I like all the overs uh, in this ballgame, except for Aaron Rodgers, because this is a team that does not throw. Uh, the damn football. All right, we move on. Let's talk about the Jets taking on the Seahawks. Uh, Jets minus one and a half, over under set at 42 and a half. So a relatively lower scoring game here. And I think that has a lot to do with what the Jets defense is bringing to the table. But Sean, how do you see this game playing out? Yeah, this is the Geno Smith Bowl, right? The old, uh, the old Jets. Draft uh, that's right. That's right. Show, she shows old team what he's got. What he's got that's is right. pretty good, man. Pretty good. I've been very impressed with Geno this year. That being said, Seahawks still getting that point and a half at home. The Jets overall are a better football team than the Seahawks. The Seahawks are a better coached football team. And I'm a fan of Robert Sala. I think he's done a really good job this year. Remember earlier this year, they were struggling. He was talking about taking receipts and then all these different things. I think that he's a good motivator. I think he's a good football coach. But what Pete Carroll's been able to do this year, I mean, up and down the Seattle roster, bro, they are not good. They are not talented. 
There's a reason why nobody really wanted Geno Smith over the years and why he was a backup quarterback the first seven years. And he's been able to keep this team alive for the postseason. And oftentimes, when the weather gets bad, we're about to turn the calendar over, the playoffs are about to start, it comes down to coaching, man. And I've always been a big believer in Pete Carroll. So I think I like Seattle in this game. On the money line, I'll play the plus 105. I don't need your point and a half. I don't need your charity. However... (laughs) I don't think there's going to be a lot of points scored in this game. It's not a big number. It's only 42 and a half. Bad weather expected. I just don't – I don't necessarily think that the Jets, whoever they throw out their quarterback, whether it's Mike White or or Chad Pennington or Vinny Testaverde, whoever ends up under center for that game, I don't think their offense is good enough uh-huh. to put up enough points for me to play the overs in that game. So give me Seattle at the crib on the money line. And let's get parlayed on Sunday. All right, let's get parlayed. I'm going to take Seattle with the unders in that game. I like it. Hey, man, that's interesting, you know, because I think Mike White has played really good football for the Jets. Um, and, and I think he's helped unlock, actually, a lot of what these pass catchers could do. Garrett Wilson has looked like a freaking pro bowler with Mike White, and he's looked like absolute dog water with Zach Wilson, right? So um, it's just, a, it's just to me, I think Mike White is able to do what LaFleur wants to do offensively. Um, actually, I guess any quarterback in the Jets uniform can do what LaFleur wants to do offensively, except – for Zach Wilson, which is not a good look uh, when you're talking about a top uh, college prospect here. But anyways, neither here nor there. I think with Mike White back in the fold, I do wonder if the Jets can start putting up some points here. Uh, You mentioned Seattle, um, and and I agree with you, man. I think this is probably Pete Carroll's best coaching performance, um, just given the overall talent on the roster. Tariq Woolen has been playing his butt off. He's basically doing his best Richard Sherman impersonation you take a look at the late draft pick uh there for Tariq Woolen and him just leading the NFL in interceptions playing out of his mind I think he's been playing great football okay now that being said I think you would agree with me that Seattle defensively is a below average unit I just wonder if the Jets can then put some points up uh on this team and I get it it's 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 on the road uh for the Jets but overall well, I just I've been impressed overall, Sean, with the Jets offense with anyone other than Zach Wilson. Oh, compared to what we thought they were gonna be at the beginning of the year, right? Their over under was only yeah. six and a half wins, and they've already surpassed that a long time ago. So yeah, they've definitely mm-hmm. overachieved. I think that the Jets are, are a football team that if they were to make the playoffs, I don't really see them making any noise. And I can say the same thing about Seattle. They somehow end up in the back door of those NFC playoffs. But I don't really think that uh, the, the, no matter who it is, whether it's Mike White or whoever it is under center, is going to be able to put up enough points. You're right. The defense is not what we got used to for a long time out there in Seattle. But that's why Pete Carroll should probably get some coach of the year votes. I completely agree with what you said about yeah. this is his best coaching job. And I'm looking at the odds right now. Pete Carroll has 80 to 1 odds to win coach of the year. Now, he's not going to get it because there's a lot of other guys, Nick Sirianni and Kyle Shanahan and Doug Peterson and Brian Dable and a lot of other names, I guess, that are going to end up taking this award before he does. But that's a little bit of disrespect for a guy that I agree has done an unbelievable job. And sometimes it's not just how many games did your team win or did they make the playoffs, but what's the talent level of the roster? And this team I don't even think was trying to win. If we're calling a spade a spade going into the season when they dealt with Wilson, when they got rid of some of those guys on the defensive side, 
I think that they just were throwing their hands up saying, let's look toward the future. Let's see if we can get a good draft pick. There's no way that Seattle's plan was that Geno Smith was going to go out there and be as good as he's been. They're going to be in the hunt for the playoffs, and they're going to have to decide, do we pay Geno Smith a long-term contract? <laughs> the next? There's no way that was their plan heading into the season. To me, their plan was maybe we can go out there, win four or five games, get a top three or four draft pick, and figure out our situation at quarterback. So Pete Carroll's not getting enough love. You're right. Uh, no, you're absolutely right, man. And um, and I tell you what, uh, all your points too well taken here. But you know what, we went a little long there. But you know what, when we come back, I want to talk. I want to break down Saints taking on the Eagles. You talk about Nick Sirianni, BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Tweet us your questions, message us in the Twitch chat as well. We'll be right back. 